0: So good morning again. Have you loved the sunshine this week? Yes? A few people looking very healthy having been out in the sun uh, for a few days. It's great to see the sun again. I think it's coming back. I think it's making a comeback. Uh, I know some of you have been away on holiday. We're off on holiday tomorrow. We were going to go in one car, but we had the excitement of discovering on uh, Friday, I think it was Thursday evening, actually, Tim got in the car to drive it somewhere, and the clutch just collapsed. And stopped working and fell to the floor and didn't come back up again. so our car is in car hospital, uh, which is fun, but we're off tomorrow and I know some of you have had a, a good time away this week. so today as Tim said we're beginning a new ser- uh, sermon series for the month of June t- uh, and we're going to be thinking about the theme of hospitality and it might not be when he mentioned that before it might not be a kind of word that brings you to the edge of your seats. Uh, you might not kind of associate it with something a bit like that but I really believe that God is going to speak to us and wants to speak to us as a church over this uh, next month in quite a significant way in the way that he wants us to move forward and so this morning we're going to set the scene a little bit look at a bit of an overview about hospitality and a couple of passages from the book of Luke if you want to get your kind of Bibles and phones out and on the ready but i don't know what comes to mind when you think about that word hospitality what do you think of do you think of something like come dine with me is that something you associate with hospitality come dine with me kind of entertaining people in a way that if you entertainment and entertain them in your home and then they go home you kind of imagine them sitting in their bedroom and you know put coming up with a number about how well you did that evening is that what you associate with the word hospitality? Maybe uh, that word conjures up um, for you the idea of a perfect home and a perfect table with a perfect spread on it with flickering candles and, you know, something that would look Instagram-worthy, that, you know, needs posting uh, on the internet and looking at with lots of, uh, by lots of other people. That kind of you associate a standard that is required of true hospitality maybe you don't associate that kind of word with those kind of pictures maybe for you you just imagine having people into your home having people friends and family over and round the table and uh, kind of it conjures up a bit of a good feeling for you Or maybe you think of uh, the hospitality industry when you think of hospitality. You think of going out to eat or drink and going out with friends or whatever. Apparently, I discovered this week that the hospitality in Britain, I don't know if you knew this, uh, before COVID anyway, was the third biggest employer in this nation, employing just over 3.2 million people. So clearly, as as a nation, we love the whole... Uh, idea of hospitality going out finding places to have a coffee or have a have a drink in a pub or have a meal with friends uh, meeting up with others and hanging out with them it's part of our life as a nation it's part of our lifestyle clearly something we love to do and i've loved driving i don't know about you but i've loved driving around the kind of local area this last week and just seeing pub gardens and parks and cafes just full of people hanging out with each other and catching up however It probably won't surprise us that the biblical notion of hospitality is very different. It goes way beyond what we kind of understand and think about and assume when we talk about hospitality. It's much more radical, uh, the Bible, when it talks about hospitality, because God's idea of hospitality is much more radical than ours'. So when you go out to a coffee shop or you go out for a meal or you invite someone over or, uh, you know, you go out for a drink in a pub, you probably go out with people you know, people you like, people you want to hang out with, friends, family, whatever, or people that you want to be or need to be in a relationship with, you know, maybe work colleagues or, or people that you need to get to know for a particular reason. And nowhere in the Bible does God say this is wrong. This isn't what hospitality is. Regular sharing of food and drink with people we know and love and and people who are important to us is a key part of hospitality. It's a normal part of relationship. And the last thing Jesus did before he died, the night before he died, we know this, he shared a meal. He sat around the table. He had some intimate, precious moments with some of his closest friends is one of the reasons that so many of us have struggled with lockdown because we haven't been able to do it, have we? And of course, you know, inviting people, people around, you know, inviting friends and family over is is a really significant antidote to loneliness as well, isn't it? But when God talks about hospitality, he goes further. And we really believe that that's what he's wanting to talk to us about as a church family this month. Because hospitality is so much more than what we understand and actually so significant for us as believers, for us as a church family and for the kingdom of God. So if you want to grab a Bible and turn to Luke 14, we're going to read a couple of verses from this chapter, and then we're going to read uh, a few verses from the next chapter in a little bit. So Luke chapter 14, three verses, verses 12 to 14, this is Jesus talking, and he's actually sitting around a table, and he's talking to his host, and he says this about hospitality. He said lots of things about hospitality, but this is one of the things he says. When you put on a luncheon, I'm not sure that Jesus would have used that word, (laughs) This is the NLT, when you put on a luncheon, guys, or a banquet. He said, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives and your rich neighbors. don't know if any of you have got rich neighbors. For they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. So what's he saying here? Is he saying that we shouldn't actually offer hospitality and invite our friends and our family into our homes? Is he literally saying that we should only have people around that are are crippled or are lame or are blind? Of course he's not. We know that, I hope. He's using, and he used it a few times in the Gospels, he's using an idiomatic method of teaching to create emphasis. Taking the thing that he knows that we do and basically saying, yeah, I know you, you do that, but that's not what this is about. I want you to do this. And so what he's really saying, he's not contradicting the Bible and undervaluing our relationships with family and friends. Can you imagine if you became a Christian and you had to stop inviting your friends and family around and saying to your family and your friends, I'm sorry, I can't have you over because now I'm a Christian and I follow Jesus and I can't associate with people like you. That's not what he calls us to. What he's saying is this. We do that naturally as part of a healthy relationship. So what he's saying is extending gospel hostil- hostility, hospitality, hospitality. <laughs> extending a gospel welcome gospel hospitality is really inviting opening up our lives engaging with welcoming into our, our living space as it as it as it were opening it up to people who aren't going to repay us with the favor who aren't friends that are going to invite us back cuz that's what we do with friends who aren't going to repay us back with necessarily with relationship or hospitality or whatever the gospel hospitality is for the benefit of the other person, not for our own benefit. True gospel hospitality is kind of, we don't get anything out of it, they do. So a little question for us. I wonder how many people, you know, you would. I know we've been in abnormal times. But I wonder how many people you would normally have into your home, or you would hang out with, or you could, would go to the pub with, or you would go to a coffee shop with, or whatever, you would open up your life to and hang out with every now and again. How many of those people would be people that you don't really know, that don't fit into the category of you know, friends, family, your life group, or whatever? How many of those people that don't fit into that category do you welcome into your life in some way or another? Here's a definition of hospitality, which I think sums up what Jesus is saying. He says, the friendly and, uh, sorry, this definition is the friendly and generous reception or welcome of guests, visitors and strangers or, or strangers. I mean, I guess he's really, the definition is really implying that they fit into the same kind of category. Somebody you'd call a guest or a visitor or a stranger. So I'm going to break it down into two uh, Two different headings for our purposes this morning, this definition of hospitality. Firstly, biblical hospitality is to strangers, not just to friends. The true definition of hospitality, when God talks about hospitality, is to strangers. It involves inviting strangers in, not just friends. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily people who are strange, although it probably will do, because lots of us are strange, including me but it means people who are strange to us, people that we don't know, as I've said, people that we wouldn't necessarily kind of be hanging out with, people who are unlikely to return the favor. Does that include other believers? Of course it does. Of course it does. You know, one of the advantages of being in a big church family is that we don't know everybody, do we, in the church family? Far from it. So we've got masses of opportunity to practice uh, Paul's commands in, uh, sorry, not Paul, Peter's command in 1 Peter 4.9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know, there are loads of us in this church family. There are lots of people I don't know. And Jesus is saying, offer hospitality to those that you don't know in my family through the book of Peter. We've got loads of opportunity to do that, to invite people kind of out or round that we wouldn't necessarily cross paths with or hang out with who aren't in our life group, who aren't in our friendship group or whatever. And you may say, yeah, but I don't really want to know them or I don't really want to get to know them or I don't know that I've got lots of time in my life for more people. But that's not the point. It's not for your sake. It's for the benefit and the blessing of the stranger that Jesus wants you to invite into your home. God says offer them hospitality. Offer them into your home. Off, uh, invite them into your life. Hang out with them. Not, not lots of times, but once. Open up your home to the strangers around you, to the strangers in the church family. Wouldn't it be amazing if we became a group of people, if we became a church family, and one of our regular practices was to open up our home to somebody we've never had a drink with or never had a meal with or never hung out with? You know, that's God's vision for his church. And then, of course, there are the strangers outside the family of God, the work colleague we don't know, the neighbour that we've not had round, whatever. Strangers both in God's family and outside God's family. Jesus wants us to open up our hearts and lives to some of those people biblical hospitality is about inviting strangers not just friends into our lives and actually and we'll be unpacking this a bit in the next uh, two or three weeks some of those people jesus says will be angels that unwittingly we will be entertaining angels people that he wants to send into our lives with the blessings that we need that actually are only going to come in that kind of package And of course, some of those people, some of those strangers that we might welcome in, may well go on to become friends, but that's not the point. You know, we might, with some of those that don't know the Lord, we might end up around our table or, you know, if we're out with them somewhere, we're opening up our lives, then we might end up having the opportunity to share our faith with them, to have those kind of conversations. And if that's the case, then great, but that's not the point of it. The point of it is just to love them and bless them because Jesus is passionate about hospitality. So biblical hospitality is radical and different because it involves uh, strangers, not just friends. It's totally counter-cultural, isn't it, friends? And then the second thing about biblical hospitality from that definition is it's different because it's costly, it's not convenient. You know, most of us love probably having friends around or hanging out with friends, hanging out with family, those precious moments, you know, times with our life groups, whatever. But actually, it's costly. It's much more costly to give up our time just to, to bless somebody, to open up our life to somebody that we don't know to hang out with just because Jesus says, this is what I want you to do. This is what I did and this is what I want you to do. It's costly. It's not convenient. And of course, there are loads of different ways that we can offer hospitality. I'm just dealing this morning with the most obvious types of hospitality. I've got a friend who's offered hospitality in the most extraordinary costly way and opened up her home to a foster child. You know that's a form of hospitality isn't it you know off the charts opening up a home to a stranger there's lots of different ways both smaller and bigger that we can offer hospitality but biblical hospitality is costly to be generous Generosity is radical, isn't it? And hospitality is another form of of, uh, generosity. We tend to associate generosity, don't we, with money, you know, giving money. And actually we can write checks and we can give money without being generous because generosity comes from the heart. Generosity is a heart thing. And generosity really in its biblical uh, definition is when it really costs us something. And hospitality is just another expression of generosity. But Jesus is acknowledging this about the cost to us. If you look back in that passage, Luke 14, he's saying this, you will get a reward. You will get a reward for opening up your homes and your lives and giving some of your time to spend with those people that you don't know. You will get a reward, but where will that reward be? It will be in heaven, of course. You know, there will be the rewards through friendship, through angels visiting, or through the blessings that God sends in this earth. But He says there'll be a reward in heaven. I was speaking on heaven uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about the fact that so much of what we do on this earth for Him, we will be rewarded in heaven. And we don't tend to think about uh, that kind of dimension of our relationship with Him. But He's acknowledging it'll cost us to be hospitable, but there'll be a reward. Here's some more words from Paul Romans 12, verse 13. Always be eager. This is God's word to you and to me this morning. Always be eager to practice hospitality. That's what he wants for us as his people because he wants to demonstrate his love to others through us in that way. So every follower of Jesus, every one of us in here, every one of us online, whoever we are, whether you're an introvert, whether you're an extrovert, whether you've got a massive home, whether you've got a minute little flat whether you uh, love hanging out with people or you find it really hard, whether you're great at conversation or whether you struggle, whether you've got a big family, whether you live on your own, whether you're old, whether you're young, whether you feel that you're gifted at it or whether you're not, God's word to us is offer hospitality. It's not an option if we follow him. And here's the reason why. Here's why we do it. Because hospitality, we've been singing about it this morning, is part of the heartbeat of heaven. God is the ultimate host, isn't he? God is the ultimate host. He is the one who took the initiative and has offered hospitality to us. Hospitality is part of the DNA of the kingdom of God. If you wanna flick over into the next chapter of Luke, just going to look at a few verses. They're very familiar. And again, we've been singing about them this morning from uh, the story of the prodigal son. It'll be familiar to most of us. But again, Jesus is hanging out in verse two with some Pharisees. He's sitting around eating and drinking with them and, uh, and a load of sinners. And the Pharisees are cross because Jesus is offering hospitality to people that don't fit into their category of people who deserve it. And they're mumbling in verse two, this man, he wel- welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Because hospitality was so significant in that culture. I think we've lost a lot of, of how significant it was. And then Jesus goes on to tell them, in the midst of that hospitality, he goes on to say this to them. I'm just going to read a few verses from this story. the story, first, the first sort of bit of the story about the younger son, verses 11 to 24. He tells them this story. A man had two sons. The youngest told his father, I want my share of your estate right now before you die. And so the father agreed to divide up the estate and his wealth between his sons. And then a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. We know the story well. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And so he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the field to feed his pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. That's when you know that you're in desperate need of hospitality, when animal food looks good to you, especially if you're a Jew. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I'm going to go home to my father and I'm going to say this, father I've sinned against you and against heaven and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off the father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he's now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found so the party began. There's so much in this story, we're not going to unpack it, you know, books have been written about it, but Jesus was telling it to illustrate this point. This is the heart of the father. He was telling this story not to illustrate how awful the son was, but how amazing the father is. It was his first century way of painting a picture of God, of kind of holding up a photo of God and going, hey everyone, this is what my father, this is what your father is like. And God is the ultimate host. God is the one with a huge welcome for every single one of us. And he wants these people who are listening to know, these self-righteous people who are listening to know who've got their own ideas about hospitality and their own ideas about God's hospitality. He wants them to know By picking this kind of rude, entitled, um, rebellious, self-centered son, and picking what he's done, and and the way he's treated his father and treated the community, by picking him, he wanted them all to know that there's nobody that is excluded from the welcome and the love and the hospitality of God. No matter what they've done, no matter what kind of past they have, no matter what kind of issues they're still struggling with, nobody is excluded from the hospitality of God. I know we know that, but let's hear it again this morning. And he wants them to know that this is the heart of God, that God is generous, that God is magnanimous, that God is forgiving, that God is gracious, that God is compassionate, and that God offers his hospitality to those who don't deserve it. You know, this was, you know, this guy would have been cancelled. He was cancelled by that culture. You know, he was the archetypal character who deserved cancelling. It was utterly insulting and unacceptable what he'd done, the shame he'd brought on his dad. He was somebody that nobody in that cultural uh, era, and particularly for the people that Jesus was talking to, nobody should ever have offered any kind of hospitality, opened their home, opened their mouths, opened their arms to that guy because he'd blown it beyond redemption. And yet Jesus is trying to illustrate, Jesus is illustrating God's arms are open to every one of us. He's a father that doesn't make us pay. He doesn't make us pay for our selfish actions and choices. He actually opens his arms to us, as we've been saying again this morning, and says, come home, come to me, come near, come close. Let me hug you. Let me kiss you. Let me put my arms around you. Let me celebrate you. And of course we know like for this son, there's a difference between the offer of God's hospitality to us, of his welcome, of his heart and his home. You know, there's a difference between the offer of it and the experience of it. Maybe some of us are longing to experience more of that kind of embrace of God, of that welcome into his heart again at the moment. And we know that All hospitality invitations require an RSVP, don't we? Everyone is welcome into God's home, into his heart now and into heaven when we die. But every welcome, every offer, every invitation requires an RSVP. And we know that Jesus teaches that actually it's only the poor in spirit who tend to RSVP. Yes, Tim Keller says something that I love. He says there's only kind of really two types of people. There's the poor in spirit and there's the middle class in spirit. I love that definition he says the middle class in spirit are the people that basically go yeah I know I've done some bad things but basically I'm quite a good person as well I've done some good things and uh, I deserve you know I deserve some of this stuff from God you know I deserve to be treated. yeah I need some help in some of the areas of my life but actually you know I I deserve quite a few good things as well and then he says there's the poor in spirit those of us that go do you know what I've done loads of bad things and actually I have done some good things too but even those good things I've pretty much done with my own interests at heart I've done those things because I've wanted this or I've wanted that and I've tried to control God and I just need grace I just need love I just need his acceptance and yeah I need help in every area of my life and actually with this guy he ended up poor in spirit didn't he He had this plan to kind of control the father as he came home and offer him a solution to his problem. Here, God, this is what I think you should do. Here, Father, give me a job. Make me like the hired servants. You know, this is how it's going to fix my problem. And yet when he sinks into his arms, if you look at what he actually says to the father, he drops the last phrase. He doesn't bother. Can we have that slide up? The two, you know, his planned response to to God when he got there. Make me a hired servant, but when he actually gets there... He embraces the hospitality of God, and he drops the plan, and he just says, I've sinned. I've I've sinned, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, end of. And that's how we receive the hospitality of God, by dropping our agenda, dropping our excuses, dropping our plans before God, dropping our attempts to manipulate or control him or get out of him what we want from him, and just going, embrace me, love me, help me, accept me. All of those things and I let go of what I really, you know, I'm expecting from you in return. Just let me receive your love. This is the hospitality of heaven, friends. Let's be reminded about it for God. Let's let God remind us this morning that his arms are open to every single one of us. He offers us this generous welcome. Yes, we're going to be invited to sit down at the most incredible feast at the end of the age. The Bible talks about a banquet that has been set by God in his own for those he calls his own, for his children, for his friends, for those who call him Lord. And there is a place for you at that table, you and me, we are invited But there is that everyday welcome into his heart for every one of us now. But let's also remember, especially for those of us that know him and know his love, he offered his hospitality to us while we were strangers. His arms were open to us while we were alienated from him, while we didn't care about him, while we didn't know him, and while we didn't want to know him. His hospitality, his home, his heart, his arms were open for us while we were still strangers and his hospitality to us even on a daily basis is hugely costly it is the most expensive hospitality we could ever experience because the price that Jesus paid was so huge Do you know he lived in heaven he lived in that place of celebration and party and banquet and yet he chose to leave his home so that we could be offered the welcome back into it It cost Jesus everything. Friends, more and more as a nation, you don't need me to tell you this. We live increasingly individualistic lives, don't we? And isolated lives. I know COVID has accentuated that in a way that we haven't chosen. And we have our devices, don't we? And we we have access to all these incredible ways of connecting with each other. But things like Facebook and Snapbook and Instagram, they, can, they feed us the lie. They feed us the illusion of relationship and that we know each other. But we know that the reality is so different and the epidemic of loneliness that is still growing should confirm that. We have unprecedented access to each other online and yet we have unprecedented levels of, of, of loneliness and isolation that are still growing. You don't need me to remind you that the, That uh, the kingdom of God is about relationship, relationship with God, relationship with each other, our friends and our family and our life groups and the people we know and love and relationship with people that we don't know. And, you know, God wants us to know. And we strongly believe in this season that God is speaking to us as a church and calling us to open up our homes and our hearts and our lives again. To open the doors that have been closed, whether they're doors now that are in our own hearts or whether they're the, our physical front doors or whatever. And to, and to open up our lives and our hearts again to those that we don't know as well as to those that we love and and need to kind of restore relationship with and hang out with because we haven't been able to do that for so long. And friends, when we make a space for others in our lives, when we make space for those that we wouldn't necessarily choose to welcome in, when we do that, we are imitating the Father. We are imitating Jesus. We are living the life that he is called to. We are being like him because we are doing for him we, sorry, we are doing for others what he did for us. So let's really wrestle with this, this, this month. Let's really allow God to speak to us and to move in our hearts in this, you know, as we think about this subject of hospitality, that he might do something really significant in us as a church family and therefore and then through us. So why don't we stand